0: Welcome to The Hammer and Quill, a Bonhoeffer House podcast exploring the good, the true, and beautiful in the lives and vocations of interesting people. We have an interesting person with us here today for episode 10, an interview with our friend, church planter, Craig Robinson. Now, before we get into our time with Craig uh, and hearing about the Cairn Church up in the Bow Valley, we want to, I want to extend, I want to remind you. Our listeners, that last week Michael and I, in episode nine, we talked about some summer reading. Uh, made some recommendations. Talked about some books that that have been important to us and that we're planning on reading or have read. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about was uh, we are doing a summer reading project where we're inviting you, our listeners, to join with uh, with those of us who are here in the Bonhoeffer House uh, on a uh, on a summer reading project. We're going to be reading through volume one of two for Calvin's Institutes. Now, uh, one of the things we do in the Bonhoeffer House, and Craig and Michael can talk a little bit more about this later in this episode, is we uh, will often, in the summers, pick a a classic. Uh, most often, it'll be a classic of uh, Christian theology, uh, sometimes a classic of uh, of literature, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll work through it in a kind of communal, conversational way. And so this summer, we've chosen Calvin's Institutes. Over on the House Journal uh, page of the of the Bonhoeffer House website, uh, I have a um, a scheduled breakdown that it's really it's manageable.
1: It was surprisingly when I when I looked at it. Well, when I looked at it and got into Calvin, Calvin,
0: right? I was. I you was
1: can surprised. do it. Yeah. You
0: can do it. Yeah. So so uh, we're using the McNeil's Battles translation, uh, which is a two volume edition. We're only doing volume one now. It's still about eight hundred pages. So. Uh, when you think about I'm reading eight hundred pages of Calvin, uh, maybe that that may feel a little bit daunting, but but actually, the way it breaks down, it's not too overwhelming uh, to do it over the course of ten weeks. and um and man, and what I want to say is there's is so much rich uh, writing in here. there's there's it's it's uh it's not, you know, you may think, man, this is th- this sound that sounds boring. It's not Calvin, boring ten yeah. weeks oh, of- or is it, yeah, is it gonna be ten weeks of like, double predestination uh, in Latin or something, but, <laughs> but it's not. And so I actually want to read, I, I was reading the Prefatory Address to King Francis, which is what we're starting our reading with. Uh, this is what Cal, Calvin's kind of apology, his, uh, his defense of the Reformed faith, and, uh, and in particular of those French uh, Reformed Christians who had been persecuted and, and uh, some of which, including him, were forced out of the country. And in it, he's he's talking about in making a defense uh, for the evangelical meaning gospel faith. Uh, he he's appealing back to. Romans twelve six where Paul talks about how all of the prophecies have to be made in accord with an analogy of faith which which uh, Michael Craig analogy of faith is a is a is a way of 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 taking the the ongoing sense of Scripture the the totality of the Scriptures uh, along with the Apostles' Creed and the historic faith and saying this is the measure uh, this is the measure of faith and he, and he goes on to say this I'm gonna I'm gonna quote from from Calvin here for a minute. If our interpretation be measured by this rule of faith, victory is in our hands. For what is more consonant with faith than to recognize that we are naked of all virtue in order to be clothed by God, that we are empty of all good to be filled by him, that we are slaves of sin to be freed by him, blind to be illumined by him, lame to be made straight by him, weak to be sustained by him. To take away from us all occasion for glorying that he alone may stand forth glorious and we glory in him. And he goes on to say, we don't read of anyone being blamed for drinking too deeply of the fountain of living water. Now These are rich words from Calvin. And I, I wanted to let that be a little bit of a, a, a teaser, uh, an invitation to say, hey, if you're still considering it, we'd love to have you join us and reading through Calvin's Institutes. Go to the House Journal. You can see that reading plan, and uh, and we'll be writing. Michael and I will take turns writing a weekly, uh, some devotional thoughts from that week's readings. Love to have you join us. Craig, we'd love to have you join us in reading. You know, Craig is a an alumnus. You're out in the field now, but you can still read along with us. Now, Craig, how's it going up there in Canada? Still snowy?
2: It's no longer snowy. The snow has melted. Uh, it's going well. Spring is upon us. Uh, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt finally after many, many long months of winter. Yeah. We're opening back up on this side of the border or at least in this province. So Canada is good.
0: Good. And you guys just bought a house. True and beautiful. True, good, true and beautiful. Well, that's what we're about (laughs) here. Uh, you guys just bought a house. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I guess we'll get into this later, but we're in the Bow Valley in Alberta, so we're an hour west of Calgary uh, and about four hours north of the Montana border. Yeah, I was going to say
0: put that in put that in United States. Uh, uh, yeah, geography. so we're right
2: above where Idaho and Montana meet. Okay, uh, right in the Rocky Mountains. So the Bow Valley is really consisted of three different communities. Um, Canmore is the central one, and then. Banff is the one everybody's heard of within the national park. And we just moved to a community called Ekshaw, which is only about a thousand people, little hamlet, 10 minutes outside of Canmore. And it's been wonderful, man. We've last night, I sat outside on my front porch and talked to a neighbor for an hour. And that's the first time I've sat on a front porch. And since we were in Radford. So Mm. uh, we used to live in a condo where we'd get off the elevator and go straight into our building or our unit. And yeah, it's been awesome. Two neighbors down, they've got a little girl that's the same age as our little girl. And uh, it's been cool to see her develop a actual friendship. She goes to the window every morning and looks for her, her friend, Emma. Mm. And as soon as she sees her out there, we open the door and she, runs off and, and plays. So yeah, That's it's awesome. been a good move for our family. feel like it's a sustainability move for us in the Bow Valley. So yeah, we've been here a month and love it.
0: That's awesome. You know, so you said it's a little hamlet. Is that what you guys call things up there? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hamlets.
2: Uh, we're in the, yeah, Queen's English world ah, up here. Yes, a little Hamlet. Using words that don't belong and
0: <laughs> mm, yeah, that's things right.
2: spelled with QUE instead of CK. It's it's a strange.
0: Oh land. yeah, you guys don't stand in line, do you? Stand in queues. <laughs> stand in the queue. Yeah. And queue uh, for the till. I I don't know what that last thing was. Push your buggy. <laughs>
2: We don't push buggies up here. (laughs) Oh, Oh, so, you
0: know, we have listeners that aren't also from this area of Appalachia who probably wouldn't know what a buggy is, right? Push your (laughs) cart, your cart at the grocery store. (laughs) We call them buggies. And you call them what?
1: We call them carts up here. Okay, okay. all right, all right, all right. All right, I, that was a, I missed on that
0: you one. You missed on that one, Michael. Um, yeah, that's right, Craig. You grew up around here in, uh, in Appalachia in a little hamlet out in uh, Richlands, <laughs> Virginia, right?
3: That's right.
0: Well, Craig, we're so thankful that you're joining with us here. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure you've been listening along to the Hammer and Quill, but you know, we're really what we're doing is we're taking Philippians 4:8, which says, "Finally, brothers, whatever's true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, think about these things, worthy of praise. Think about these things." And so, so really, we're trying to, in uh, the lives of people that are friends of the house that have been involved with the Bonhoeffer House or that we just find interesting. And and we want to be friends with. We're 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 diving in and trying to stop and look at the lives and vocations of people serving God in a Philippians four eight good true and beautiful kind of way. We want to be curious about your life up in Canmore and Exshaw and uh, the Bow Valley. Curious about your uh, your tips and tricks for for how to be a church planter and and. Uh, and so we're, we're so thankful to have you on. We wanted to have Craig on because he is an alumnus of the Bonhoeffer House. Uh, he's our friend. He's a bivocational church planter who uh, on, what, Monday through Wednesday is is running tile and uh, wearing those really... Um, we're looking at him right now on Zoom, and he's got these really cool... Uh, what, what would you call it? What are those... Headphones, those ear protector things. They're my
2: Bluetooth safety muffs. Ah,
0: Bluetooth safety muffs. Safety muffs. Uh, and then, and then on Thursdays and what Fridays, you're preparing sermons and uh, building the church. And so, by vocational church plants are in the Bow Valley, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. Now, Craig, uh, introduce yourself here. Here's the question we ask on the Hammer and Quill: What would be on the back of your baseball card? Vital statistics. <laughs>
2: Vital statistics. Yeah, I'm from Richlands, Virginia. Grew up in the South, uh, Bible culture. Um, met my wife, Zoe, after college. I came to the Canadian Rockies to work at a Christian wilderness camp, and we met through that. Um, spent some more time in Virginia with her. Uh, you, you. you we moved to camp.
0: Go ahead. You look like someone that would have met his wife at a Christian wilderness camp. You've always, you know, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got that look.
1: Yeah. There's a little mountain mountainous man in, in Craig, you know, yeah. like he, he definitely has the, the beard, the, the, the just demeanor. Oh, they, like, even. Yeah, I
0: mean, the camp hat, the, yeah, yeah the demeanor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You, so you just can tell that Craig,
1: he, Craig knows Like what if you, doing. like
0: if you, if I just spent five minutes with Craig and you asked me, where do you think this guy met his wife? I think Christian wilderness <laughs> camp would be top of the list. It probably the Christian wilderness <laughs> camp would be my guess. <laughs> All right. Keep going, Craig. It, Back of the baseball yeah, card.
2: So, um, we are church planters in the Bow Valley. We moved here in 2017. Um, so we've been April made three years, which is kind of oh crazy gosh. to think through. Um, and then, yeah, we have a, Oh man, how many months old is she? She turns two in August, so um, her name is Blythe, and she's awesome. Um, yeah, we'll stop there. Bivocational, uh, tile setter, planter, pastor.
0: Mm, mm. Good. Now, you,
2: you know, the term now is co-vocational.
0: You know what? You're uh, right. I have heard that. Huh. Yeah. I had not. I'm going to edit that yep. back into this podcast, so it sounds like I know what I'm talking about with that. <laughs> uh, I'll just say it now. So, what's it like being a co-vocational pastor, Craig? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to answer that. We'll I, edit I, I that do back think in. the
2: distinction is good, though. Um, co. Yeah, talk about that. What is meaning, what do you, what does
0: that mean? What does co-vocational mean that bi-vocational doesn't?
2: Yeah, so I think bi-vocational denotes a. Uh, a separation of our vocation um, and and surely they're distinct, but um, I do like the term co-vocational that it, yeah, it gets at this idea that they, they can work together towards the same end, mm. um, which is, you know, our desire is that they would work hand in hand. I don't want to be doing something three days a week that has no uh connectivity to, to our gospel call here,
0: um, excellent. Yeah, yeah.
2: So there's many ways we can we can dive further into that if you want. But
0: yeah. So the first, I, I do
2: like that terminology.
0: Right. The tile setting for you, the 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 carpentry and tile setting work that you're doing, um, that's not just your um, paycheck. There's a there's a there's a cooperative vocational calling there that goes hand in hand with ministry. I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to get into this more later, or like, just get into it now? Yeah. So i I think, I think, especially thinking about the good of the Bow Valley and the flourishing of the Bow Valley, there, there's, there's a real, I mean, substantial way that that both of the things that you are working on are for the good of the Bow Valley and for the flourishing of the Bow Valley, and so. I I love the I, I love the term I I'd never heard it before but yeah you are you are physically tangibly blessing people by you know setting tile and and improving their homes and and businesses and and spaces and then you are working for the good of their spiritual lives and emotional lives as you as you pastor and plant a church and form a community and yeah I I love it.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've seen so many cool things happen through uh, this co-vocational pursuit. And I don't want to maybe maybe I should take some of the luster off. Like on Tuesdays when it's minus 30 outside in December and I'm running the wet saw and (laughs) fooling with the hoses to keep the water from freezing, like,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, it doesn't always feel – like a co-vocational pursuit. Um,
3: oh God. But
2: th- that being said, uh, yeah, the ability to to go into someone's home that I would never have access to mm. and to spend a day or a couple of days, uh, you know, and people are great. They'll make us a pot of coffee or whatever and, and come chat. Um, and to be able to, yeah, envision them and this took some practice at the beginning when it did feel like a bit more separate, but as I've progressed in, and even my skills as a tile setter to be able to be in that bathroom or shower, whatever we're doing and, and envision the goodness that will, that will be enjoyed by my work two months from now, you know, as they're relaxing in an awesome you know, bathroom or, or they have their family around the fireplace and enjoying the beauty of that space. Like, yeah, to be able to imagine that as we work, apart from all spiritual things, like that's a gift we're able to provide for that person. And then on top of that, we're, we're making relationships, we're having conversation, we're in the building with other tradesmen, you know, if i had the opportunity to share the gospel with, with other tradesmen's around and Mm. and then in kind of a post-christian society even to be able to as we make connections and relationships with people uh not to lead with the idea that i'm a pastor is just helpful Mm. in in friendship formation you know um to be able for them yeah, because I had someone tell me once, if you want to end a conversation early, tell them you're a pastor. Um, <laughs> I don't want to believe that's totally true, but I do think in some some respects, people just don't know what that is or what we do a lot of times. Yeah, that, and I, so I when you tell someone you're a pastor, it it breaks down all possible connection points. But when I'm telling somebody that I met at the climbing gym, I'm a tile setter and they're an electrician and, Oh, we've been on the same job site or whatever. Um, uh, it just, is has just helped in relational formations.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and I imagine, I imagine your context in a, in a more post-Christian, uh, uh, environment, that would be even more true as far as the, uh, the tell someone you're a pastor and that's a, a surefire way to end the conversation. And, you know, I find, here in the, here in the Bible Belt, small town, uh, people are still pretty, pretty open to having conversation. They, they, they have a certain idea of what a pastor is. Yeah. Um, maybe they, maybe they even still have a positive view of, of a pastor, uh, which, which maybe isn't the case. Even as you go just a few hours, uh, away north of where, of, of our particular context. Uh, so I imagine they're in, uh, outside of Calgary in the, in the Bow Valley, that, that, yeah, being able to talk to someone about what you're doing as a tile setter and 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 your experience, you and Zoe there in the Bow Valley, really contributing to the actual, uh, uh, the actual common good of the Bow Valley. Now, now when I say the actual common good, I don't mean in opposition to pastoral ministry, which I think also contributes to the actual common good. Yeah, uh, I just think oh, so Lord. so often in the Christian world, uh, because we we have a kind of dualistic view of um, yep. Uh, what what has what has significance when it comes to work and I love what you're talking about Craig because you're saying hey uh tiling this this uh tiling this this fireplace surround isn't just the, the significance of this isn't just that it gets me a foot in the door so that I can try to uh, share the gospel uh, yeah with the homeowners or the the other guy I'm working with but actually it also has significance because I'm serving my neighbor. I'm creating something beautiful here, something that they that will improve their life. Yep. Now that 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 significance can be eternal, even if if that if that work isn't. It's not like we're we're saying. Uh, so often, I think we we look at that sort of thing. And go well, that doesn't get you into heaven. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, you you know you're not going to get into heaven because you're a great tile setter, because or even because you served your neighbors, or even if you offer them extra work at a discounted rate. Those sort of works don't don't justify us. Right. Uh, but God, but good work done well for love of neighbor, uh, is significant. It matters. And, uh, it's part of how God loves the world as part of, you know, through us and through our work. So I love what you're doing there with the covocational work.
1: Uh, just, uh, just a whole, a holistic vision of the, the glory of God and the good of neighbor is, is what it sounds like we're, we're talking about. And, yeah. I think it's
2: participating in the renewal of all things. Um, and and even something as simple as space being beautified, I, I don't know if that's a correct term, but even something yeah. as simple as that can create uh, to use anti rights language, a thin space in which relationships and love are cultivated. Yeah. Maybe the more the more eternal pursuits can can happen in a space that is created by uh, you know, cement and, and
0: tile. Mm. Yeah. So I love that idea of co-vocational. Uh, I'm going to change my language. I'm in. Yeah. Forget bivocational. vocational Farewell <laughs> bivocational. <laughs> All right, Craig, let's, let's, uh, let's double back around a little bit. T- talk a little bit about how you ended up in, in Canmore. Uh, what role did family and friends play in your desire to, uh, to move from I mean, you really, you were in, you were in God's country here in Virginia <laughs> and you left. And so t- talk about that. How did you end up in Canmore or Exile?
3: Yeah.
2: Um. So I mentioned before that Zoe and I met in the Rockies uh, at a camp and it was really there that uh, God cultivated in both of us uh, a desire to be with people who loved outdoors, who who, um, in the Roman one language, uh, enjoy creation and might not know or have suppressed, uh, worship of the creator. Mm. And yeah, so that, that's always been a desire of us. We felt like we connect well with that population that enjoys those activities and, um, and wants to be outside and, and so, really, it was kind of a journey of of doing some ministry in my hometown, um, and kind of figuring out philosophically where we land in ministry, and then finding you guys at the Bonhoeffer House and BBC uh, really gave us a season to help help prepare and step back from kind of a vocational paid ministry role, and and to process what our calling would be uh, through that uh we really came into language through really relationships with you guys and and others in the bow valley or <laughs> the new River valley uh who gave us these categories of of people place and vocation or work uh, to think through in our calling and we kind of already as i mentioned had our people group in mind and really it was a matter of where did where are those people um and listen those people are all sorts of different places not just the about valley but and so that really made a kind of a difficult process because there were lots of places we were thinking about but as we started to process through stuff they just all felt arbitrary you know like what what connection do we have to Bozeman, Montana? Like outdoor people live in Bozeman, Montana, but yeah, it, right. it just felt like, <clears throat> why would we go there? Like what, how are Zoe and I uniquely gifted, suited, um, to serve the place where God is calling us to go? Uh, and, and one of the just very practical things is she's Canadian and I'm American, it's super easy for us to uh it it was easy for me to immigrate to Canada. Um and then we had some relational ties through our through our camp network here that uh that made Alberta a possibility. And then as we kind of narrowed through that province, you know, the Bow Valley is a pretty obvious place where lots of people come uh for the exact reason of enjoying creation um and we felt like we had a gifting and ability to connect with those people but also some relational networks in place as uh, always parents are a part of our church plant we had some friends who were a part of our our camp ministry days that that are a part of our church plant now um, we had a guy from from Virginia Tech who I was Mentoring while I was at BBC, move up here with us for a few years to help start. Um, so really, the Bow Valley became a place where not only our our people group was present, but also there was relational connectivity. There was there was a community of faith who was willing to be present in the Bow Valley, not just kind of Zoe and I as lone rangers trying to figure things out.
1: So people- yeah. So
2: we started thinking specifically about Canmore mention it to uh, the to people around us at VBC uh, and in the Bonhoeffer house to process through and and really through a collection of uh, confirmation decided about this place.
0: Yeah, that's good. I remember that whole process. And, and, and when you thought about people, place and vocation, it wasn't just the people you're called to, but who's going with you. Uh, who's there yeah. to receive you? what will the what will the the, the embodied um, presence of friends and family look like where you're called? So, so, which is why um, you know uh, the Bow Valley over you know originally I remember when you guys first came you were thinking, I don't know Montana, maybe Bozeman and, and also and I remember you were like, I don't know we just want to, we want to be in the mountains uh, with this type of people and uh, and which at which point I did, did what I normally do. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> look around. See these mountains here in Virginia.
1: You know where there's, beautiful you know where there's, mountains? you know where there's beautiful mountains. Withville. And, Withville.
0: <laughs> <and> <laughs> shout out to Whitville. Uh, still looking for someone to plant the church there. Uh, but, <laughs> oh man. And you know, uh and, and, and I uh, loved having, uh, uh, I loved, and I'm just going to highlight this, the, the, the value of having, um, your wife Zoe uh, so on board with the vision and and even to the point where uh relocating to come be part of this I mean, what are, what's the Bonhoeffer house you know like it's just yeah. she's going off of uh, you know a few conversations on the phone and one mutual friend that had had was reporting back to you about the Bonhoeffer house and so so yeah. just her adventurous spirit and willingness to just say all right whatever the Lord, once uh, for us is so important, so helpful. And and man, I loved Zoe when she was here. I still love Zoe. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, what What was really most endearing about Zoe was, you know, uh, we have a, her we,
1: ability to put up with us. Yeah. Yeah. So her
0: ability, not just to put up with us, but to give it back, right? Like yeah, to mix yep. it up, to mix it up. One of my more favorite memories would be anytime we would go as a, uh, as a group of guys studying to the coffee shop where she was, a uh, barista and, and, manager. And, um, you know, it was fun just to see the way that she would, um, uh, really get in on whenever we would, we would kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. It's not pick on I'm thinking about with our, with our, with our friend, Jonathan Bowell, uh, <laughs> who I'm sure who's listening church planter in Richmond, South city church. Uh, man, it was just fun to see the way that she would just,
1: she, she would, she would
0: jump in, jump on, in on, uh, on our, uh, we, on our fun, um, <laughs> not picking on, but uh, but messing around times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so she
2: also took care of Jonathan with some off menu.
1: That's right. Off menu splurges. Yeah. So yeah.
0: the afternoon Jonathan special, which why don't you describe it, Michael?
1: Yeah. It's it's a coffee milkshake <laughs> thing for, for Jonathan. <laughs> coffee milkshake thing for Jonathan. It was like a it, it was like a a drug deal of sorts he would like go off to the side and be yeah, like, yeah he
0: wouldn't order at the counter <laughs> zoe zoe can i get one of those coffee
1: can i get one of those coffee milkshake things can, can, like, could you make one? <laughs>
0: oh man only hey um talk a little bit about how your time in the bonhoeffer house prepared you for church planting uh pastoring even even family life you know, you you came and spent a couple of years with us before going to the Bow Valley. How were you prepared with us? Say some good things about yeah. it. Basically, what What's great <laughs> about the Bonhoeffer House?
1: Oh
2: man how how was that wonderful? <laughs> That's, In your two years, that,
0: I was going to say we, but whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah i I think for the bomb for us what we really needed was a place to figure out what the church's family on mission looked like, which made that happen more through VVC. Uh, and then on the ministry side of things, or like just the, the development of us as uh, a future family who would, who would go out and plant a church on the Bonhoeffer outside, it was a development of, just like, what's our philosophy of of pastoring and, and gaining some space to be able to to process that in a safe environment amongst other people, other couples who are processing that, who are kind of, at least uh, like for the Bowells and us, we were kind of on the same timeline as far as when we would move and, and go out and be sent out to plant. And uh, so just to be able to have somebody who's, Who's thinking about the same things, asking the same questions? Uh, to do that in a in a communal way, where whatever's going through my head isn't the only voice that I'm hearing. Mm. Um, I one of the things we've talked about a lot at the Karen is discerning the Holy Spirit happens best in community. I or I really believe that. Like I I think our communal discernment of the Holy Spirit is it just helps us narrow down on exactly what God is, is saying to us. And so um, the Bonhoeffer House was that for us. It, it was a way where we uh, a place where we discerned how to be, how I discerned how to be a pastor, how we discerned as a, as a couple how to be loving parents and a ministry minded family who, who cared for people, in our networks well uh, those were some of the main uh highlights I guess you can say from from our couple years in in the Bonhoeffer house
0: that's great that's great now what were you unprepared for you're now a few years in
2: in, in moving to yeah. uh, oh, the low well, Valley
0: that's right having spent some time in the Bonhoeffer house being trained really we're, we're, I mean you just described it we were we formed the Bonhoeffer house to be a a kind of life together um, seminary experience, communal, uh, incarnational in, embodied with each other in, in, uh, in a kind of living environment where we're, 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 we're theologically rigorous, where, uh, we're trying to help form leaders who are, who are pastoral and servants. So, so you spent some time with us. We sent you out. What were you unprepared for?
2: Oh man. Um,
0: and limit it to just one thing. Please. <laughs> uh, no, a couple is oh, fine. Oh man. I How do I, I even start?
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you two. Okay. Um, for me, I think the thing I was most unprepared for was the shock of not having that community. And, and then in the Bow Valley, it has taken an extremely long time to build it. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know where you would have had that I community. wasn't ready for that season. You would have had that community. <laughs> I would have had it in Withville. <laughs> in Withville. Okay. All right. Keep going.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, that was, theoretically, I knew that that was going to happen. Um, but Zoe and I say a lot of the time, like our, our deepest friendships were formed in that season of life in mm-hmm. Radford. And so, uh, to have that kind of all stripped away was literally an emotional shock, Mm. you know? Um, and then we went through some hard things upon arrival too. So kind of exasperated that, uh, a little bit for, I think the other thing we weren't prepared for, and I say we, because Zoe has done, you know, she's not on staff. She's, she's not, called to, she, she works at a senior living facility, um, and, and crushes it there, but the level of, of counseling and shepherding she's done with members of our church, Mm. I think that has been,
3: Mm.
2: yeah, that's, that's been not shocking, but, uh, yeah, something we, we were prepared for as far as like, this is going to happen with like some of the women wanting to I like, talk to Zoe about things or whatever, but the level of which that's happened, which I'm so thankful for. Like, I mean, she's amazing and um, has walked through really hard things with, with a lot of the ladies in our church. And I'm so, yeah, impressed with her, but also, um yeah, it there's been a lot of conversations at night between the two of us of like, oh, man, like, how can... I pray for you while you talk to her mm. or whatever um mm. yeah Th- those were a couple things that kind of stand right off the page
1: it's awesome I think one one of the one of the really cool things about the Bonhoeffer house is the is the friendships and relationships that are built like like you're talking about Craig and so but it primarily is a a you know training for men <laughs> Right. For, for us as, as pastors and church planners. And so our, our wives, uh, you know, we're, we, we're doing a little bit more with Kalos That's and, right, and with some of the conferences and things like that. But, uh, but our
0: wives don't get, but three years ago we didn't have Kalos. We no, didn't, we didn't no. have, we weren't doing yeah. women's women's training. We weren't doing women's conferences. We didn't have classes that we were offering to, you know,
1: a Broadly. wider. Yeah. Yeah. And so what well, I think the other hard part be of that now.
2: is all the guys in the Bonhoeffer house have a similar vocational call. Yeah. And so it's easy to put all of those men on the same, uh, right. You know, reading the same books and having the same conversations because we're gonna, regardless of our context, be experiencing the same thing. It's not such with our wives who You know, some are called to be stay at home moms, some are called to a workplace in whatever variety that might look. And, and how do we, but yet they're all pastors or planters' wives. And, um, so there's, there's part of that is, at least for Zoe has been, uh, that is, that is a distinct calling. And yet that doesn't, she doesn't want that to be her identity. Mm. Um, but but just by nature of the relational connection between her and I, there's going to be um, a weight to conversations that she's having with with other people in mm-hmm. her church and and a level of trust that people have with her. Um, yeah, e- even though she's called vocationally to something different.
0: Right. Good. Okay. Well, describe describe the good and bad, Craig, about living in this beautiful destination town of well, we're destination valley. You know, Michael and I we've we've been there. And it's amazing. It's amazing. We were just talking about how we feel like we would never grow tired of looking, just looking, just looking around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 100% sure I would grow tired day one of how cold it is during 3 quarters of the year.
1: Like like when we were up there, Craig, you I think you took us to, I think it was where Zoe works, but they were, they were like doing more construction. Yeah. Um And so we like, you like took us into this construction area with like construction trailers and like big machinery and all this. And, and it was like, this is the this is the most amazing. This has to be the most beautiful construction site <laughs> that has ever existed. Because look at the mountain like, because look, look up just look around. Yeah. Look up. So
2: <laughs> Oh, we were just talking about this yesterday. I work with Zoe's dad and brother. And we're working at a house in town. And yeah, it's been in the mid-70s, super sunny all week. And we were having lunch on the deck of this, you know, multi-million dollar house. And we're like, man, people pay thousands of dollars to come here every year, you know, and, and to look at this and we're in our dusty work clothes, having a sandwich, you know, we threw together in five minutes and just enjoying lunch out here.
3: It's awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so. mm, now talk a little bit about the good and bads of that though. You know, you're, you're living and pastoring in a place that is, you know, maybe more yeah. transient, uh, more people coming to and leaving, um, What's good about that? What's what's challenging about that?
1: Yeah, and and you even mentioned the like, I guess wanting wanting to go to a place and and to a people who who enjoyed and and experienced the the outdoors. And so, I'm even curious as you answer the good and the bad. You know how that how the beauty of the place is both a good and a bad. How the how the yeah. getting to see the glory of. The, the creation around is, is both a good and a bad. So.
2: Yeah. So the good is, I mean, so much good. And what you guys have said, like you just drive through our area. Um, and it is beautiful. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. The beauty is, uh, transcendent in in a lot of ways. And, and with that, like your, to your question, Michael, um, that transcend that transcendence it moves people like you can be out climbing or or hiking um or skiing with someone and it's just there's an ease of talking about transcendent things here just by nature of of how beautiful and majestic it is Mm. um and so there's a lot of goodness in that there's a lot of goodness in our own souls partaking of that beauty. Um, Whether that's for me uh, grabbing a friend and, and going climbing or, or even just going on a run in the trails behind our house. If it's uh, man, we just have this incredible view through our master bedroom window. Like if it's just like waking up and, and stopping for a few minutes Mm. before we start our day, looking out the window and, and enjoying that. Yeah, so many good things. There's goodness in the fact that people from all over the world come here. I mean, on any given day, you can walk down Main Street and hear so many different accents and languages. Even just in our little townhouse complex, like the unit beside us is a French couple and a German lady. The unit on the other side of them is German-Canadian. The unit on the other side is australian you know, like it's just wow. people come from all over the world. So even though it, it's a small place, as far as population size, like there's so much goodness in being able to connect with people mm. from all over the world, learn from them. Um, even within our talking specifically within our church, like I was thinking about it and we've had people from every continent except for Antarctica. Uh, you know that's a, that's who, a hard one to that's a there. hard one to get <laughs> yeah but but our small little church plant you know in this small little mm. uh place just has had connectivity with with all continents in the world and and we've sent a lot of our people back out to wherever they came from mm. uh, as you know ambassadors and, and witnesses and um so there's so much good that comes from Uh, A marvelously beautiful place That brings people from all over the world around those things the hard parts about that or or the bad um, The transience is just Extremely hard on everyone emotionally. Um, it's been hard on zoe and I Especially coming out of a place in radford where we had a really strong stable community Um, so just friendships are hard to cultivate on both sides of the spectrum. So you have these people coming in who are on like one year working holiday visas or they're working for the winter season at the ski hill. Um, and, you know, they're going to be here six months to a year. And as good as the beautiful scenery and stuff is at inspiring transcendent, the the bad part of that beauty Michael to your question is it leads to distraction. So like you have somebody coming for six months to a year, Mm. they want to consume as much of that beauty as possible. Mm. And in their consumption, what's left out is the, is the uh, working toward the beautiful that will remain after they leave. Mm. Uh, Does that make sense? uh, So what you have is people who, take every opportunity that's before them to ski or hike, climb, whatever their, uh, their chosen hobby is and take no time to invest deeply in relationships. Um, who are, yeah, they're just always wanting to, we talk about this a lot, accumulate experience. Like that's the goal of, a lot of people who come in here for a short amount of time and and when that happens they leave and they're not really sad like it's yeah. just like well I, you know i've gotten what i came to get out of this place yeah and and they leave and no one's really sad that they're leaving they're not really sad that they're leaving because they're going to go on to another place to accumulate more experiences mm. um, and. And that just makes me sad. Like, I think they've missed the most beautiful, as beautiful as our scenery is, they've missed the most enduring beauty that they could have received from this place. And it's, it's the love and affection of the people who, who live here. Um, And so that's been really hard. Um, It's hard emotionally. It's hard emotionally on the people who remain. Because it's like, I, I've had this conversation with a lot of our people uh, at the Cairn who, who live here long term. It's kind of like, we're constantly have to reevaluate how many walls we're putting up against short term residents. Mm. Uh, because it's just easier emotionally to go like, I'm only going to be friends with people who are here long term. Yeah, But if you do that, you're going to miss a whole swath of our population who also need love and affection and and friendship um and and so those are some of the hard things and then as a pastor also like welcoming that transient community in and you're kind of like fighting two fronts you know you're fighting not fighting but like you're you're working with people who are here long term to to put down walls and befriend people who are here short term and yeah. see it as a as a good and, and beautiful investment but you're also having a similar but different conversation with people who are coming in short term to say it's worth investing in this community, mm. like it's worth yeah it's worth your effort your presence it's worth saying no to some experiences in order to make the bow valley of uh, a more holistic place when you leave. Mm. Um and yeah, it, it's an interesting dynamic because you're having very similar conversations, but but at the same time different. And and really the Karen wouldn't exist. I, I tell short-term people this all the time: like the care wouldn't exist without the faithful presence and work of people who have come here for short amounts of time and mm. invested well into our community. And then they've gone on and we sent them out and then somebody else has come for another short season. Um and they formed our community in a different way. And then we sent them out and brought somebody else in. And mm. so really even our church's uh story is is made up largely of of people who are faithfully present for six months to a year or two years and and go on. And then and, and then we have this kind of core of of long-term people who, who welcome them in and treat them as family and and we live life together for a season and we we send them out and it is sad, you know, and there's a yeah. goodness in that sadness. One of our friends we sent out, uh, you know, we kind of had a sending Benediction type ceremony for them, and we were crying, and and he said, "This is how it should be. like it.
3: Mm.
2: Being sad tells me I've lived here well. Mm. Like, and it's good. And as hard as that is emotionally to kind of like do so often here, um, yeah, there's a beauty in that of mm. like, and your time has been spent well here, mm. and it's it's been good and beautiful, and we can send you out." and know that it will be for the next place you go and then trust that God's going to bring someone else to us as well. So yeah. uh,
0: what a beautiful opportunity you have in the Bow Valley to consistently be sending and sending and sending people out. You mentioned uh, you've had people come from six out of the seven continents and you've sent many of them back uh, as ambassadors. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Hey, uh, you, you, your church name, the, the church out there is called the Cairn. What's a Cairn? You've mentioned Karen a few times, and some of our listeners might be wondering, I don't even know how to spell that. Uh, well, I, I do personally, but that may be what you're wondering. Uh, I'm an excellent speller.
1: Yeah, the round table. Speaks.
0: We're not going to, we will not be mentioning that. Uh, so, what is a Cairn?
2: A Cairn is simply a stack of rocks that marks the way. Um, so, in the Rocky Mountains here, you can get above tree line while you're hiking. So it's just a field of rocks essentially where the trail isn't overly clear. Um, And so what people do is they kind of form a pyramid out of rocks and you find one and you know, Oh, okay. Like I'm
0: on the right towards that
2: thing. And then once I get there, I look on the horizon, find the next one and I walk towards that thing. Um, and so it's something that keeps you safe. It keeps you oriented towards, you know, whatever goal that path is taking you to, whether that's a summit or a waterfall or whatnot. And so, as a community, um, we want to be that for people. We say here that there are innumerable paths to take, and we want to mark the way of Jesus as the way to life. And so, you know, we aren't the goal, like. The, the community of Jesus isn't uh it should be the the local expression of the kingdom but it's not the full expression yet of the kingdom so we we are in a sense lifting people's gaze towards towards what is on the horizon and so um yeah for for us what we want or what we hope for people here in the bow valley is that they kind of they're going along all their different paths and that they through maybe a relational connection kind of stumble upon our community um, and that they <clears throat> would travel down the road of Jesus with us you know and and what that looks like for a lot of people is they kind of like set their baggage on the path that they were on and kind of like walk a little bit down our our path to kind of explore and, and see, what that looks like and um and we're okay with that our our prayer and hope is that they kind of go yeah this is the path to life let me let me go back get my things and and head hard in this direction so yeah that's that's why we're called this um weird term that nobody knows how to say or or spell.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love the picture of uh, of the, the marker, the signpost along the way, the, yeah. the community that is a, um, uh, a sign and a participant in the kingdom that is to come and, and that is uh, a safe place to, 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 to welcome people and, and aim them. Love it, love it, love it. Now, Craig, we end our episodes here with what we call our lightning round. I'm going to ask Michael to ask these questions. Michael's going to pepper you pepper you with some lightning round questions we want your you just your quick mm, this is what i think right off the top of my head answers so michael take it away all right you ready
1: yeah how many bears have you seen since moving to canmore
2: uh three grizzlies and probably five black bears
1: is there anything scarier than a bear like is there a scarier animal to, to come across
2: uh, mountain lion.
1: Oh, they
2: they say that if you've seen a mountain lion, it's too late. Which (laughs) makes me terrified.
0: But 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 really though, (laughs) like I I feel pretty sure that if a mountain lion attacked me, I would I would kill it. (laughs) (laughs) Then
1: then you're for sure not gonna make it. I beg to differ. (laughs) I beg. It's a
0: cat. (laughs) It's a little cat. Okay. All right. Keep going, Craig.
1: Um. Okay, what are three things you must own in order to survive a winter in Canmore Ooh. or in the Bow Valley?
2: Uh, mittens. There will be no gloves here. Um, <laughs> you, you have to. You have to own mitts. Winter boots, like legit winter boots, and and you got to go with the down puffy, like nice thick. Michelin man type of Mm. jacket.
1: Awesome. Uh, What is one thing that you have to do if you visit the Bow Valley? Oh, man.
2: Grassy Lakes has to be on your list. You guys went to Grassy Lakes.
1: Oh, yeah. If you were going to write a book, what would it be called and what would it be about?
2: Oh, man. I think I'd want to write something... On rootedness, like the idea of being rooted in a community, I don't know what that would be mm. called though.
0: Rooted.
1: <laughs>
2: just, that's a great. Just title. taking a stab. I'm sure that's taken though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably. All right. What about um, what is something under a hundred dollars that every church planter should own?
2: A good whiteboard. Ooh, not some, not not some, some flimsy cheap, thing like Walmart mm. that never erases well, but like a a good glass whiteboard. I'm made fun of all the time in my church for my love of whiteboards. But <laughs> Is that, that's an essential tool.
1: <laughs> Is that something the Bonhoeffer House cultivated?
0: Did you already love whiteboards before you <laughs> came here? Yeah. We're all, we're all about that whiteboard you can't get the don't get the cheap stuff like Craig said that you can't erase and it just accumulates like residue of marker you got to get that that porcelain uh, or glass metal man you got mm, <laughs> I agree with you I like that
1: uh, Craig how about what is the worst advice you got as a young pastor uh, and church planner
0: if this advice was given by me I will edit this part out <laughs> <laughs> So, or, or just don't name the person. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I think this idea of like we always have to be innovating. I get, I get that quite a bit. Like we always have to. Uh, the book uh, "Fool's Gold" or not "Fool's Gold"? "Fool's Talk." Uh, Os Guinness. Guinness. gets at this, like this idol of technology and uh, and time that that the more efficient and, and more innovative we are, the more productive we'll be. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to be against innovation, but at the same time, I don't think it's uh, the cure all.
1: Good. How about, um, how do you get unstuck in your, in your work? What are some, uh, what are some breakthrough tips?
2: Um. Running for me is one. Getting outside um, in whatever capacity I can.
0: Running away from the mountain lines.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Running away from the mountain lines. Always take your bear spray. Yep. Um, yeah, Yeah. I, I think that's kind of the go-to for me.
1: And then last question. What are you most excited about for the future of the Cairn?
2: I The thing I'm most excited about is our team is slowly growing in our, uh, in a population that wants the Bow Valley to be home for a long period of time, mm. so uh, we've kind of been around the same number of people for a while because we've been replacing a lot of transient people. But over the last six months, a lot of the people who have come in to replace uh, our transient friends have our 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 young couples family units who who foresee their you know near future being being home in the boat valley that's exciting because I think it gives us some some momentum uh and and rootedness uh here that we haven't had before.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Praise God. That is exciting. And Craig, we love you bro. We are so excited for what God is doing through you and your family and the Cairn in the Bow Valley. Please give our love to Zoe and Blythe and to the rest of the team up there. Thank you for joining us from the beautiful Bow Valley. You know, the only, the only problem I've had with this whole interview is never once, we're on Zoom, never once have you shown us Uh, this beautiful the beautiful mountains outside you've got a closet and a wall behind you and so we'll forgive you for that thank you for joining us thank you listeners for tuning in to the hammer and quill episode 10 an interview with craig robinson please subscribe review us on itunes throw some five-star reviews our way until next time peace peace peace